You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Sunday, November 19th. The 49ers just defeated the Tampa Bay Bucks in maybe a more dramatic way that than fans would have liked, but we'll take the win. I mean, a win is a win, right? So joining me to talk all about it is Eric Price. Eric, the 49ers struck first, but they did let the Bucks kind of hang around in, in the first half, right? Like even in the end there, it was a little, so what, what'd you think about the first half from the 49ers? You know, anytime you're forced to kick field goals down in the red zone, that kind of makes things tight, right? They had to settle for two field goals in the first half, you know, ended the half up 13-7, but it felt like the Niners controlled the game a little bit more than that score indicated. And I think part of that happens when you have to settle for field goals. Yeah, you said it. And, and let's talk about how the first half kind of like transpired, right? Because First, the 49ers' first offensive drive, they didn't really do anything. But, you know, the 49ers' first defensive drive, so the Bucks being on offense uh, then, I mean, it seemed like they did their homework. They were prepared for what the Bucks were going to do, and I-, I was pleased. And so they give the ball back to the 49ers, and that's when they pretty much get control of the game. They get into the red zone, and Christian McCaffrey – Boom, boom, boom. Uh, Four plays in a row. It seemed like they were trying to move the ball uh, through passes. IU got a lot of targets in that first drive there, or sorry, the second drive. And then Christian McCaffrey pretty much being the closer in the red zone. Christian McCaffrey now leads the NFL with 14 touchdowns this season. That's the most most ever by a 49ers player uh, since Jerry Rice did it. He had 13 in 1989. So, I mean, Christian McCaffrey continues to do Christian McCaffrey things, but there is a lot of guys in this game that really kind of blew up, right? And I want to talk about Brock Purdy because he was amazing in this game. And it seems like every week he gets close to topping his former best game. I kind of feel like I'm going to have to watch it again and maybe compare it to some other games, but I kind of feel like this was one of Brock Purdy's best games, if not his best. He was 21 of 25, 333 yards, three touchdowns. And the one that stands out to me the most, Eric, is that bomb that he threw to Brennan Ayuk. And that happened in, you know, the second half, uh, which we'll, you know, maybe we'll talk about that more in a bit. But as a whole, like, what'd you think about Brock Purdy in this game? I thought Brock was exceptional. And not only Brock, I thought Kyle Shanahan called a hell of a game. You know, it feels like, Steph, when Kyle gets out to an early lead, the play call sheet looks wide open. Things are clicking. Sometimes when they fall behind, you know, he's not scheming it up quite as much. But uh, I thought, you know, B.A. was awesome. He was running wide open several times. George Kittle was making play after play. So Brock, while he was exceptional, you know, I thought Shanahan called a hell of a game, scheming it up, scheming guys open. And Brock, what I love about Brock, Steph, is he plays within the structure like, you know, 80 percent of the times he's going through the right read. And then there's that 20 percent where he gives you those off schedule plays like he had one yeah. today where, you know, no one's open immediately. He has to buy time, step up in the pocket. Next thing you know, he's hitting Debo 35 yards down the field wide open so he gives you these off schedule plays but majority of the time 
he's playing on schedule. And we know that's how Kyle wants it. And it just, Christian McCaffrey has provided such a nice safety blanket for Brock because you can see Purdy, you know, he's making his reads, maybe BA's cover, George Kittle, and then boom, he goes right to McCaffrey. And McCaffrey, it may only be a five-yard catch when he gets it, but he always makes the first guy miss. And that you talked about that mm-hmm. second drive. I thought that was the Christian McCaffrey drive. You know, he had a couple runs over 10 yards. And then the, the touchdown pass, I thought it was a tremendous play design by Kyle Shanahan right on that first touchdown to McCaffrey. It was McCaffrey started shuffling left, right? And normally when he shuffles left, he's going out in a pass pattern in that direction. But this time they kind of played off of that. He shuffled left and ran across the formation through the offensive lineman and leaked out uh, phenomenal play design to scheme McCaffrey open for the touchdown. Yeah. And, and going back to Brock Purdy and, and that one play that you were talking about, because we were talking about how great Kyle Shanahan is at scheming things up, especially when he's in a lead, he gets into this crazy groove. There wasn't anyone within like, 15 maybe 20 yards from Debo Samuel when he caught that pass that you know Brock put Brock Purdy through from like outside of the pocket I mean that right there just shows you like the the craziness the genius of Kyle Shanahan and maybe it was just a broken play uh from the defense but even so I mean to have Debo Samuel that wide open I think is a testament to what Kyle is kind of able to scheme up and Brock Purdy He's the first 49ers quarterback to throw for 300 or more yards in back-to-back home games in the same season since Jeff Garcia did it in 2000. I mean, it definitely feels like the 49ers have something special in Brock Purdy. Like, we've been saying this for a while, but, like, with how many, like, deep attempts I saw, and maybe it wasn't deep, but, like, just intermediate, like, you know, semi-deep throws from Brock Purdy in this game – it definitely helps open up this offense. And and that's why I think we're seeing Kyle really cook with the play calling because the playbook is wide open, like you said, with Brock Purdy able to execute these plays at such a high level. He is so good in the intermediate part of the field. You know, the first drive, he hits Kittle. It's over the linebacker in front of the safety. He does it routinely. And then you mentioned the big long strike to B.A., where B.A. just absolutely cooked Jamel Dean off the line of scrimmage, stacked him, and Purdy, you know, you hear a lot of comments on Twitter about knocking Purdy's arm strength. Well, he laid that, that ball out perfectly, hit B.A. in stride. Uh, I mean, Brock, he's so exceptional. I mean, compare the yards per attempt or the yards per completion. Baker, who threw it 45 times today, Steph, but he was averaging 5.5 yards a completion. On the other hand, you look at Brock, he was averaging 13, over 13 yards a completion. So that tells you, you know, uh, Baker was kind of kind of dinking and dunking, for a lack of a better term, whereas Brock was, he was pushing it downfield and yeah. guys were open. I mean, these when we have all these weapons, Steph, you know, you're talking B.A., Debo, Kittle, McCaffrey, all those guys maximize their targets. You know, no one's going to get 15 targets like some of these other top receivers get because we got these four weapons. We got to spread the ball out, but all of them maximized their targets today. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that did help contribute to Brock Purdy's 158.3 perfect passer rating on the day. And you said it like doing that with the average, you know, 13.3, you know, depth of uh, target there or per completion. I mean, that's just great from Brock Purdy. And I do want to talk about how things felt at halftime because it kind of did feel like a game of two halves halves a bit. I mean, Brock Purdy at halftime still was doing great. He was 14 of 17, 164 yards, uh, a touchdown, good passer rating at that point in the game. But the 49ers had allowed three sacks in that point. They had five penalties. They were third of six on third down, one of three in the red zone. So not great, right? Like you look at all those things, you're like, "Mm, they're kind of playing down to their opponent. And yeah, they're up 13-7. Yeah, it does feel like the 49ers have controlled the clock and have controlled the game to this point. But at halftime, it didn't feel so great for a lot of us watching this game. Then they come after halftime and that to me was a turning point of this game and I talked about you know the the bomb to Brennan Ayuk that was a set 76 yarder and I think it was about someone said it was about 40 something air yards uh from Brock Purdy that really got them off to okay now now we're good now we're ready because then there were 20 and 7 I do want to give credit to the 49ers defense there because the Bucks started the half with the ball you know, and they were able to get them off the field. So, I mean, that's what allowed the 49ers to get up and in that comfortable lead. And they really never looked back, although, you know, the fourth quarter got a little weird there. As far as the points go, they did not look back um, in this game. And I do want to talk about some of the injuries that were sustained in this one, too, because on both sides of the ball, we saw the Bucks deal with some injuries and we saw the 49ers deal with some, too. Teleno Hufunga. Um, you know, he got juked on a Rashad White uh, catch. And I mean, it at first, it just kind of looked like, you know, he got juked like, but I, I didn't think at first it was a serious injury. But then we hear he got into the medical tent, then we hear he got carted off, then we hear shortly after he is declared out. It's usually not a good sign when players get declared out so early. So I have concerns about Teleno Hufunga. I'm sure we heard we will hear more about that um, in a bit when we – oh, man. I just saw a tweet from David Lombardi actually just said that Hufunga's on crutches uh, with the brace on his right knee. So that is not a good sign. Um, the 49ers are in a short week as well, um, going to be facing the Seahawks on Thursday. So uh, that's a tough low for the 49ers defense for sure if Hufunga's out. Yeah, you know, obviously it's the next man up mentality. And we saw the rookie Jair Brown come into the game. First, one of the first series he's on the field, he just gave up a seam route to Cade Otten, just let him streak right past him, which Hufanga did in his own right early on in that game. But after that, I thought Jair Brown played some really good ball. You know, he had a nice pass breakup on Mike Evans in the end zone. We saw the interception he had in the fourth quarter after the ball. Looked like it hit Dre in the face, huh? Tipped off, but good awareness. Yeah, good awareness by Jair Brown to stick with it, secure the catch. And so, you know, it's the next man up mentality. It sucks that Hufanga's out because we know what kind of playmaker Talanoa Hufanga is, hopefully – you know, he'll, he'll be back soon, but Jair Brown, you know, he was the first selection by this, by John Lynch in this previous draft. So we'll see what Jair Brown 
can do with a full game and a, you know a, a week's worth of practice well, less than a week since we're playing on Thursday, but Jair Brown's the next man up, Steph. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I kind of had the same thoughts, like, man, he gave up that touchdown. He looked a little flat-footed on that one. And, you know, from that point on, he really, really stepped up. And you don't always see a guy who, you know, makes a bad play like that, able to adjust and, you know, come away with a good game by the end of it, right, on such a short you know, really, it was just two quarters of football that he played a little bit less than that. And what was very dramatic about that one particular play in which he was covering uh, Mike Evans in the end zone, he didn't interfere. It was a little handsy. You know, there was some contact there, but, you know, the refs didn't deem it enough for interference. Isaiah Oliver had to go into the game at that point, too, because Tarverius Ward in the play right before that had to go off the field because uh, him and Deshaun Gibson collided and it looked pretty tough. So Isaiah Oliver had to come in and you're thinking, oh, man, we got Isaiah Oliver, Jair Brown, the rookie out there. They're in the red zone. It was fourth down. Isaiah Oliver comes in on the blitz and Jair Brown, like I said, doesn't interfere with Mike Evans. And I also wanted to point out that. I mean, just the fact that they were able to get pressure on uh, Baker Mayfield, I believe on that same play it was Hargrave, too, that was able to push uh, the pocket and the offensive lineman bumped into Baker Mayfield as he was making that throw, which why that was why it wobbled a little bit. And, uh, yeah, it, it, Mike Evans wasn't able to get it. So that was a huge play. And I also saw that um, – Jair Brown finished with four tackles, three pass breakups in less than two quarters. Like that, that's pretty incredible. So after that, I felt a lot better next man up uh, for him. And I'm excited. Like you hate to see a guy get opportunities due to someone's injuries, but like, that's the nature of the NFL, right? It's always next man up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to see what Jair Brown's made of. We know this defense it starts up front with the D-line. And maybe it wasn't quite as dominant of a performance as we saw last week against the Jags, but I thought the D-line showed up today. You know, Nick Bosa, I know he had at least a half a sack. I think he got another one. Forgive yeah, me for him, yeah. him and Chase Young got one, like, almost, I think it was back-to-back, actually, in, in the fourth quarter as uh, the Bucks were trying to get something going. Yeah, and I, I saw Chase Young making an impact out there. Javon Hargrave, I wanted a little more from Hargrave. I know Armstead had a sack. Nick Bosa was making plays. So the D-line, not as dominant of a performance uh, as last week, but I thought they'd made things tough on Baker. Like you said, just condensing the pocket, pushing it. It's yeah. hard when you're a quarterback to operate when your linemen are all getting pushed back into your lap like you mentioned, happened on uh, the PBU by Brown and also on the the interception by Brown. Nick Bosa was in there yeah. kind of grabbing on to Bosa right as he was throwing it. So I'm glad to see Nick have a couple really strong games. And this Chase Young, man, he's making plays. I had to watch your all 22. Thanks for doing the dirty work and cutting it up for us on, on Chase Young, you know, uh, but I was really happy with with his performance today and the D-line I thought played pretty good. But I want to talk about the linebackers, Steph, because Ooh, I thought yeah. Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, I mean, that, it's the best linebacker tandem in the NFL. 
Fred yeah. Warner was making plays all over the field, pass breakups. He punched the ball out on yeah, you got a half really a sack for that. that. Caused yeah. the turnover. Dre Greenlaw was making plays all over the place. He dropped a pick, but it was a really yes. nice play to put himself into position to even get there because he kind of baited Baker. He kind of faked like he was going to the flat and then shot back over the middle and nearly had one. He'll tell you he should have caught it, but uh, the linebackers today were spectacular. Yeah, Fred Warner, 12 total tackles, half a sack, as you mentioned, two pass breakups. Uh, Drake Greenlaw, eight tackles, two pass breakups, a quarterback hit, also half a sack. They were part of the reason that I don't think we saw – Chris Godwin really get going in this game. Like Godwin finished with six catches, 39 yards. And I think a lot of it had to do with Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, because if you look at what the Bucks had been doing so far this season, Godwin was their guy that they would target in the intermediate level of the field. That whole middle is his. Mike Evans is like the deep ball guy. And then underneath they have uh, they have Rashad White as kind of their check down option. Uh, so really they were able to eliminate that whole middle part of the field and I mean, we we saw the impact of of what they're able to do week in and week out for this defense. When they're on, it's really hard for opposing offenses to really get anything going, especially if that's where they operate or are comfortable with a lot of their catches, kind of like the Bucks are. So credit to those guys, man. Um, yeah, he's been he's been on one since the bye week, as uh, Technique Sheik said. Um, just wanted to call out really quickly. You know, I had this up for a bit. Rams are up on the Seahawks right now. And I want to point out that Geno Smith went out of the game uh, with an injury. I think it was uh, something with his arm or uh, something with his arm. I-, I don't know if it was elbow or something like that. It looks like he's back too. Cause I got red back? zone on, I got red zone on in the corner and I'm seeing uh-huh, Geno okay, okay. back out there. So he's back, man. So it's there. Uh, Seahawks are down one point. Uh, it looks like they're in field goal range, right? So they're probably just going to try to hit the field goal and probably walk off with that win. Um, but yeah, needless to say, there's there's a lot happening. There's a lot that happened today that I think impacts that game on Thursday. So uh, definitely something to keep an eye on throughout the week. Uh, my cousin Monica says, Kyle just said they fear ACL for Hufunga. That is terrible. Like, Man, that's a big, big blow for this defense, uh, the run defense especially, uh, I think, and anything. I mean, he's he's going to be missed. We were talking about Jair Brown and just how much, you know, he's going to have to step up. He stepped up today. He's going to have to continue that. But just real, real tough for uh, Teleno Hufunga, um, you know, to be out potentially the rest of the season. We'll get final word on that, I'm sure, later this week. Um, but, yeah, I mean, aside from that, a win is a win, right? And we feel good about this win. It wasn't pretty the whole game, but 49ers take care of business at home. And again, you know, we're hoping that they're going to be able to do something similar on Thursday up in Seattle. Don't ruin my Thanksgiving, guys. I beg of you. Um, <laughs> I have a. Well, at like, least it's, last... it's the late game. It's the late game, right? So that's if, true. That's if true. I should have already you know, had my. Evil... Yeah. I should have already had my food by then, maybe like my second plate, then I'll be able to like eat my, you know, dessert as the game's going on. So Steph, I gotta yeah. ask you, what what is your favorite side dish when we're talking Thanksgiving? 
That's a great question. That's a great question. You know, anything having to do with potatoes is a great way to sway me uh, with any any meal of any sort, like anything potatoes. I don't care, like if it's mashed potatoes, scalloped potatoes, and some cheese. If you throw some cheese in there too, like that's that's how you get me. What about you? I'm going grandma stuffing. Grandma stuffing is phenomenal. Look forward to it every year. I love it. I love it. And uh, you guys in the comments, let us know what's your favorite side dish because I'm now I'm looking forward to it. You're making me hungry over here. But um, yeah, I mean, that's that's all uh, on this game. And, you know, credit once again to Brennan Ayuk, who went off credit again to George Kittle, who they kept involved in this game. You love to see it. Uh, Ayuk had 156 yards and a touchdown in this one. Kittle had 89 yards and a touchdown in this one. You love to see it. So um, credit to all those guys. Credit to Brock Purdy. Um, you know, let's let's get healthy as much as we can uh, before heading into Seattle for Thursday. But, Eric, I appreciate you coming on and joining me today. Kind of late notice, so I appreciate you. And uh, I hope you have a good rest of your Sunday. Thanks a lot, Steph. You know, I'm a big fan of your channel and the work you put in. And just like the stats you were putting out just during this show. I don't know how you come up with that. You're getting all these statistical anomalies, you know. So shout out to you, Steph. I'm glad you invited me on here so we could break down this game. Oh, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And, uh, hey, this is a great way to end the show. The Rams actually won the game. Uh, <laughs> last last second there, I guess, the did they miss the kick? I'm, I'm I think it was a right miss. Now. I kind of missed it, but I know they were in field goal range, so I'm assuming it was a missed kick. Wow. 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 So that's awesome. Okay. Uh, and then we'll, we'll see what happens. So this is a great way to end our day on that note. We're going to let you guys go. Make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not yet, but for now, people have a good rest of your Sunday folks. Peace.